Hi, welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So today we are talking about the book of Daniel. Uh, there's so much. There's so much here. It's actually... So if you remember back to the Samson bit that we did where he the story was so long, I had to cut it up into two different episodes. We had a part one and part two. Well, the Daniel and company stories are similar in that we're going to do two episodes on it, but they're two distinct stories, but they have the same starting point, the same premise. They're super great. So there's a, there's a lot in there, a lot of fun, and, and it's actually something I've been looking forward to doing for several weeks now as we as we get rolling so i hope you enjoy and let's go ahead and get started and by started i mean let's do what we do for every episode and talk about what i am drinking today if you've been keeping notes thus far what is this episode seven i think uh eight so episode eight we have pretty much only drank uh, whiskey and scotch and bourbon on the show which might be boring to some of y'all i love it that's that's my go-to i love the whole the whole whiskey family uh also i'm a little bit on not a little bit a lot of bit a lot a bit uh on a diet right now and trying to trying to cut back so as much as i love beer and other super fun things to drink the spirits are are, are generally carb free and uh, not saying that they're healthy for you if whatever if you're if you're trying to get particular less carbs less less empty carbs on that stuff so i have been drinking a lot of a lot more whiskey and, and things of late today i decided to switch it up for this episode and I, and I was trying to tie it in for some reason but there's no tie-in there's no there's no cute pun there's no there's no reason i just really wanted wine tonight and there's nothing wrong with that so i i, I grabbed a bottle i was at the store and I'm sure you've seen the commercials. The Apothic series of wine, been, their marketing campaign's been been really uh, not in I don't mean this in a throw it on the bus type of way, but aggressive. Um, they've been they've been out there a lot. Of, you know, I feel like of all the wines out there, which are they in the millions now? Like there's so many wines in the world, and it's uh, overwhelming. Apothic and their and what they've been doing have, have been really like commercialized and, and they're out there. And again, not saying it's a bad thing. They're putting in themselves out there. So this is the Apothic Inferno, which I saw today in in the store. Definitely caught my attention. One because of marketing and commercials and seeping into my subconscious, but also because it is uh, the wine is aged in whiskey barrels for sixty days. So my love of whiskey still shines through. Even even with the wine, the label is pretty pretty badass, pretty amazing. Just just fiery inferno. I mean, it it, ma- it matches up with the name. There's fire and and like some vine stuff everywhere. They're just getting burned up. It's a really cool image. So I, I bought it, you know, because of the the aged sixty days in the barrels, whiskey barrels. And uh, got home, and I'm I'm actually nearing the end of the bottle. I started when I was cooking dinner and. Figured I'd finish the bottle on air, uh, but I was really surprised because I thought that with the name like Inferno, it was going to be like super, like spicy, like like the notes were going to be, you know, like I don't know if I've ever really had a spicy wine per se, but I thought, I guess I thought it would be drier. It's actually super smooth, and I mean you can you can taste 
the the fruits in there uh there's a lot of it's it's really good and it's mellow it's much more mellow than i than i thought i'm actually pleasantly surprised i do like it i do like it but it's just like probably not a great example i don't know how old of you guys are are old enough to remember when i was i don't even know 12 or something i don't know if it was a movie tie-in or just whatever but i think it was heinz came out with a green colored ketchup it was just dyed green i don't again i don't i was 12 i don't remember but it was it was ketchup it wasn't made differently it wasn't made you know just food coloring to make it make it green and you would squirt it out on your plate and you just see this green like loop on there and you just stick a french fry in there and eat it and it would, it would taste like ketchup it was just you know maybe slightly different because of the dyes i don't know but it was it was ketchup and your brain would like if you close your eyes and just like ate the french fry and ate the ketchup you'd be like oh this is definitely ketchup but when you watched yourself watched your fingers grab the french fry and dip it in this green goop and then put it up to your mouth it was like oh my this tastes like ketchup like it's cr- like it was crazy like it was just ketchup it's not it's not a big deal but i think that's with this wine with the label and like inferno and all that i really thought it would be like a different a different type of, of flavor profile and in fact it's really smooth and and super good again not complaining at all highly recommended but it doesn't match up when i had the bottle sitting in front of my face in front of the microphone here and i'm looking at it it's it's not what i keep thinking that i should be tasting if that makes sense i'm a big fan of reds i love reds which i'll probably get into in a different episode as to why there is a story there so anyway so apothic inferno uh is much more mellow than i thought much you know is easy easy to drink and highly recommend it that being said we're done with the alcohol stuff let's get to the biblical stuff the book of daniel so daniel we find ourselves at the point of the bible where the the children of israel the israelites are established in jerusalem so this is this is after everything with moses and bringing them out of egypt which we haven't really covered yet after oh remember with with uh, balaam and the donkey and everything past that point like they're established now they have they're in jerusalem which i know we haven't gotten that story yet but but just imagine like this is kind of like a, a little bit of a future episode from the some of the stuff that we've done where they they're established they have jerusalem they have a temple they've got you know bit of a government place and stuff you know they're they're established and here in the book of daniel out of nowhere the uh king of babylon king nebuchadnezzar comes in and sieges jerusalem takes over everything just comes in this is mine now plants his flag he's he's in charge he just it, you know just like kind of we talked about how this how the whole bible is like a roller coaster and up and down of them being good and on god's good graces and then being dicks and then they have to get punished and go into slavery and it doesn't really talk about that they did anything wrong necessarily but we're clearly in the phase of they're under the control of someone else now king nebuchadnezzar runs in there takes over everybody kind of enslaves the people it doesn't really talk about like the enslavement of like what they did in egypt when they had to build pyramids and things like that so it's a little bit different type of lording over them all so just that's just kind of give you like a baseline of where we're at so so king nebuchadnezzar king of babylon he's there he's now in control of all the people in jerusalem and everything and he goes into their temples and and sees all their their holy 
artifacts, the goblets and the incense. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't specify if he takes the Ark of the Covenant or not. Whatever. He's he just it says he takes he takes their artifacts, takes their stuff, and brings them back to his own temple, his own shitty temples, and puts them on display and puts them there. And he just kind of like takes it all, does whatever he wants with everything. He also like puts out a word for his staff, and he want he says go out to to the Israelites. Go out and find me the most, I don't know, it's very specific, the most handsomest and smartest guys of the Israelites and bring them here to train them and educate them for three years and teach them our language so they can be even smarter and then they're going to be my best servants ever. Basically, he was he was looking for the primo, the cream of the crop, like smartest, best, handsomest, whatever, like people to train to just be like his best slaves his best servants but he's like he's not like all bad like he's even like uh you know he's you know we'll feed them from the king's table and like they'll be taken care of but they're still gonna you know they're gonna work for me they're gonna... and his, his people went out and they did that and they went out and drafted all the smart and handsome guys from the israelites and it's a big group that they brought back and and all the best of the best that they could find but there were four guys of that group that were like the best of the best of the best of the best like these guys were sharp they're the best. So, happen to come from the bloodline of Judah, which I'm not gonna spend time right now because because that'll take a little bit. But uh, bloodline of Judah. If you ever come back to this episode later, when I talk about the different bloodlines, it'll might it might be a little bit of an Easter egg. So we'll just leave it there. So anyway, so these four guys. One of them is Hananiah. One is Mishael. One is Azariah, and of course Daniel. Which is just, it feels absurd to me. Like, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. Like, damn, Daniel. Like, what do you, like, 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 what, how do you get such a basic, a basic white boy name? Do you remember the, yep, the scene from the first Men in Black where they, it comes up, was it the, was it the worms? No, not the worms, not the worms. No, the twins. Remember the twins? They were like the, the ones on the keyboards, the big, the big old alien things. And he's like, oh, this is, I, can't, I don't know his name. Like, oh, this is bleep, bleep, bloop, bloop. And, uh, Bob. Like, and like, like to say like a, a ridiculous name matched up with a very common, simple name. This is what I've always thought. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Hananiah, Mishael, Azria, and of course, Daniel. Anyway, anyway. And then, uh, so they're, they're brought in to, to the king's courts or whatever you want to call it. And they start getting trained up and educated and everything uh, to be these servants. And when they came in, they start getting served food. It's not kosher, right? So there's, you know, there's pork products and things like that. And so they asked their trainer guy if they could, you know, they're not trying to cause a fuss. They just, they want to abstain from eating the unkosher foods. And like, what if you just, trainer man, give us just vegetables and water for you know and then just do that like don't we don't want we don't want the meat stuff we don't you know we're really picky eaters you know they're going full vegan at this point trainers like guys that's gonna be my like the king will get super pissed if you guys get like if i feed you less than everyone else and you guys start getting weaker for it like that's my head and they're gonna like make you a deal make you a deal for 10 days, for the next 10 days, give us nothing but vegetables and water and feed everybody else, everything, all the, all the same stuff. And at the end of 10 days, whichever group of us, us four or everybody else, whoever looks healthier and feels healthier, 
then you'll you'll know your answer and we'll when if you think it's them then we'll we'll abide by that and we'll eat the unkosher food and all that so the trainer's like okay that's fair and he agrees and then it happens and then 10 year 10 days later after just eating vegetables the whole time while everybody else is eating all the good king food and stuff um Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel just they 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 are more awake and ready, and they just they, their skin's almost glowing, like they just look better. And so the trainer gives in, and is like, you know what, you guys are you guys got it. We're whatever you say goes. Like you know, you're clearly head and shoulders above the rest of everyone. So, and I forgot to mention that the king, very slave owner style, um, didn't want them to have their their original names, so he changed their names to something that he felt was more fitting. So Hananiah becomes Shadrach, Azariah becomes Abednego, and Mishael becomes Meshach, which I said that in the non-order that it rolls off the tongue. So they, they become Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel is renamed Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar? From henceforth, I'm still going to call him Daniel because... Anyway, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think are much cooler names. They're easier to say. Sounds like like, like a like a folk band, I think, is what I envision. Like you would see like at the fair, like, oh, if you're tired of puking up corn dogs on the Ferris wheels, like come see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego play the fiddle. Like, I don't know. So from henceforth, uh, it'll be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and... Daniel. So then God blessed the four boys and made them super smart and super quick learners, and they did everything very well. They they couldn't fail at anything. They were awesome. For three years, they did their whole studies, and they learned the language and everything. They, they just impressed the shit out of the king, passed all his tests with flying colors, and they surpassed everybody else in the program. Apparently, it says that even they, they showed that they were even smarter than the king's actual wizards and magicians and, and uh, things were going pretty good. Like, as far as, like, slave life goes, they were making headway. Then we come to the part. King Nebuchadnezzar starts having bad dreams. It's not, like, a one-and-done or or whatever. It's, it's a constant recurring every night. He's having the same exact dream, and he's freaking out about it. And he can't sleep, and he doesn't know what to do. So he goes out, and he summons all his wizards and magicians and... and whatever else you want whatever word you want to call them from his kingdom so he can come and interpret the, the dream so all their guys show up and uh i think i already used the the example but uh, you know like uh, in uh, the balaam episode i think but you know like like jafar or like whatever like all these guys these slimy kind of whatever you know they show up and wizards and magicians and they're like yeah yes like you know long live the king whatever like you know we're here to serve you like just tell us, tell us your dream, and we'll tell you the meaning. We got you, dog. We'll we'll do it. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. This not, it's not. This isn't how it works. Cause I'm not dumb. If I tell you my dream, you're just going to say whatever you want to say, and I don't have a choice but to believe it. And I don't want you to t- say just whatever you say. I want to know that you are actually using magic to to interpret my dream. So here's the deal. He says, I want you to tell me what my dream is. Tell me what I'm dreaming and then interpret it. So your first, your, the, the test you have to pass is to tell me what I'm dreaming. They all start losing their shit and they're just like, we, 
we we promise, my lord, that we we will interpret it real good for you. We like we'll we'll be truthful. Don't worry about it. Just tell us a dream. He's like, nope. Did I stutter, bitch? Like, uh, <laughs> like I I told you, this is your job. If you do it, if you can tell me what my dream was and interpret it for me, I will give you riches and honor and everything. If though, you screw it up, I will have you cut into pieces. And I will turn your houses into rubble. That is definitely a quote-unquote from from the passage. <laughs> I will have you cut into pieces and turn your houses into rubble. So, <laughs> the stakes are pretty high for these guys to, to flat out tell him this is what your dream was, which is like a one in a billion chance, uh, just, you know, if you're just cold, cold guessing it. And then... And then to interpret it, interpreting is the easy part. It's just, it's the guessing that's the hard part. And so they all, they all, they're all stressed out clearly because they don't want to be cut into pieces and their houses turned to rubble. And so they all, they're all a mess. And he's like, I'll give you a little bit of time, figure it out. At some point, I guess he's like tired of waiting. He's like, all right, you know what? Just let's kill them all. They don't. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if he, I can't remember if he gave them like a day or two or whatever. But he's like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. You guys clearly don't know it. So he sends out his guards to go round up everyone in his like kingdom or in his whatever he he deemed a wizard or a wise man or whatever with different levels of magical powers i guess or something but anyway so daniel gets rounded up in this group as well as uh, i think shadrach meshach and abednego but they all get rounded up and daniel's like whoa, 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 whoa i wasn't there for the meeting this is new to me what's the deal and the guard's like well, yeah, you you wizard guys don't know how to interpret the dream, so we got to bring you in, and we're all gonna cut you into pieces and and turn your houses into rubble. And Daniel's like, wait, 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 wait. Um, let's talk about this for just a second. Uh, can I get like a day and can I talk to my friends and and figure it out? <laughs> he does. They give him twenty four hours. They get twenty four hours before they're gonna be cut into pieces and everything. Daniel goes back to uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're like, "We gotta pray to God for help. God's God's got to help us right now. This things look pretty dire." And so they all get together, they all pray, and they all do the thing. If you remember the uh, the Balaam and the donkey, where they kept every time they wanted to go talk to God, they killed like seven goats and seven oxes and just mass slaughtered animals in order to do it. There's just just for the record, just so you know, there's no record of them doing that. It's just they just went and like beside their bed like. Like the old, like the paintings that you would see, like they just, they just prayed. I just asked them. They said, "Hey God, we're kind of in a situation. If you could help us out, like, you know, which I, I kind of respect more. Like this, like, in the unnecessary violence, um, of killing animals for sacrifices for no reason. Anyway, and they prayed, and then God answered. God gave Daniel a vision of the king's dream, and so the next day they run up and they tell the captain, of the guard, and all, you know, like, like don't, like stop, like don't kill the wise men. We figured it out." Bring us to the king. We'll tell him his dream. We'll interpret it. We'll do everything. So they, they go up, and King Nebuchadnezzar's like, you figured it out, huh? And Daniel said, and Daniel said, no wise man, no wizard, nor magician on earth could do what you ask. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he did. Your dream is about the future. And then he proceeds to tell him what his dream was. I'm going to just kind of read a little bit of the passage here because it's easier than paraphrasing it. So this is, I think, verse 32. In the dream, you saw a huge statue. 
The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. That's the dust that's left behind by like weed and stuff. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. End scene. <laughs> End quote. Then you know, Daniel says, you know, so that was your dream. It doesn't really specify that the king at that point like confirmed it, but and now we'll interpret it for you, says Daniel. And he goes on to say, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the king of all kings. You represent the statue's head of gold. But after you will be a lesser kingdom, the one of silver, and after that even lesser, one of bronze, and so on to the iron and clay feet of the statue, the weakest point, clearly. And at that point, it will hardly even be a kingdom because iron and clay do not mix. And at that point, when everything else is swept away by the rock that crushed everything and the, and the rock that grows in the mountain, for God is going to bring in a new kingdom that will endure forever. The king bows down before Daniel and says, Your God must be the best God ever and the solver of mysteries. And he gives Daniel a bunch of presents and money and made him the official title or gave him the official title of the smartest guy in the whole country. And Daniel helped his friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, get all promotions and everything was pretty sweet. That is, I'm not stopping yet, so hold up. That's kind of like the baseline story for the rest of this episode and everything we talk about in the next episode. And that was just kind of the foundation of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel and their stories. So now that you have that, let's continue. Then sometime later, um, I guess King Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> thought that the dream idea of the whole, like, the golden statue was, like, a pretty pretty great idea. He's like, Never mind the whole thing, like, the feet are partly clay, and they get hit by a pebble, and, like, the whole thing crashes. Like, forget that, but I would like a big, big gold statue that looks like me. That'd be that'd be pretty dope. So he goes out and does it. He commissions it, and he makes this big gold statue. And then he goes out, and he sends out invitations to all the A-list celebrities in the area so that they can have a big party so they can come and view his golden statue and like and anybody who was anybody was there i mean we're talking like leonardo DiCaprio, like lebron james kanye west i guess you know the kardashian or else is like super hot right now but like like they're all they're all there all the a-list and then the king does a little speech and lets everybody know that he's making a new rule the rule is that anytime anywhere if you hear a trumpet or a flute or even a whistle being blown throughout the kingdom, you're supposed to drop whatever you're doing and bow down and worship this golden statue. And if you don't, we're going to throw you into the blazing, fiery furnace. We're going we're gonna to burn you alive. 
No, but you know, whatever. Just, just, just drop whatever you're doing and just worship this golden statue. If you hear a trumpet or a flute or any kind of musical thing happen, no big deal. Like, right? It's not. That's not an inconvenience at all. Slash sarcasm. But that's what his rule. And all the A-list celebrities are like, yeah, it's a great rule. It's an awesome rule. Why? I don't understand why it took this long to get that rule. Let's keep. Let's go with it. Let's do it. <laughs> and then of course the the king's men start blowing the trumpet immediately, and all the celebrities they bow down and worship the statue. And the king is just like beside himself. Uh, like, I mean, like his dick is hard. Like, yeah, I'm the best king ever, King Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> And then some of the magicians and astrologers who were previously all butthurt that Daniel and his friends figured out the king's dream went to the king during this whole trumpet thing and said, hey, guy, hey, those, uh, those Jew boys over there, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and, and Daniel, uh, they're not bowing down when they hear the music, and that's against the law. You need to punish them. And King Nebuchadnezzar got super mad. For some reason, didn't didn't fuck with Daniel. I don't know why. But he just grabs Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He brings them in, and, and so, so the three guys come into his, like, his throne room or his, his inner chambers or whatever. He's like, listen, listen. I heard a nasty little rumor that uh, you aren't bowing down when the trumpets are blown or when you hear a whistle or whatever. And, you know, I get it. I get it. He said, she said, whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not even going to ask you what happened in the past. I'm not worried about it. You guys, I just promoted you a little while ago. Like, you guys are all good, good guys. Just, just, you know, just do us a favor. Let's, let's make this easy. From now on, when you hear the sound, you just bow down. You know, fair enough, right? You know, capiche, capiche. The three guys, uh, um, sorry to tell you, King, but no, we don't, we don't do that. We only bow and worship our God, the one, the one true God. We can't bow and worship a man. It doesn't work that way. No offense. <laughs> and the king loses his shit. I don't know. He just he, he goes mental. And he's like, he goes, what God? He's down a believer clearly at this point. What God can save you from me and my wrath? Like, you know, he's highly, he feels highly disrespected. You know, what God can save you from me and my wrath and keep you from being burnt up in the furnace? They're like, well... Technically, uh, ours, sir. <laughs> we believe in our God that he's not going to let you kill us or do anything. And he's the only thing that we were going to bow down for. We don't give a fuck uh, about what, gonna, what you say, what you're going to do. And the king, again, just loses it. Like, just like, like I mean, he had all the A-list ce celebrities. He had everybody just pandering and brown-nosing and worshiping his statue. And these schmucks are just like, eh, nope. You know, go fuck yourself. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, like ah. and uh, he just loses it. So he tell he ties them all. He gets he gives the orders to the guards or whatever. He ties up the the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ties them all up, and he tells his guards, tells his people to burn up the furnace seven times hotter than normal. I have no idea what that is in in Kelvin or, <laughs> or Celsius or how I don't know how hot that is, but apparently it's so. It's so hot that the Bible says that the biggest and strongest of his guards, like, so he picked the Rock's Scorpion movie. Was that straight to DVD or did that come out in the theaters? Anyway, uh, after The Mummy, where he was, like, the captain of the guards and then everything turned. Why do I even know the plot on that movie? Where, like, The Rock was, like, the like the lead captain, right, of, of 
of the of the army there. Uh, I believe that's how the story went. Uh, that's like that. Like he had like he had like three or four Dwayne Johnsons, uh, you know, The Rock as guards, and they were holding they were holding the three guys, Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego, who were all tied up, and, and throwing them. They walked up with them, carrying them, and threw them in the furnace. And as these big ass motherfucker, big ass guys throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the in the furnace. It is so hot that these guys, the Scorpion Kings, Dwayne Johnson, burn up and die because it is so hot. Just from throwing them in. That's how hot it was. It was so hot. And the king is you know, happy. He's like, ah, oh, they got what they deserve. How how dare they disrespect me? And he just looks into the furnace. Uh because he's just he's just waiting to watch even their bones, you know, you know, char and, and everything. And he and he looks into the furnace and clearly clearly he's a little bit away from the furnace. I don't know if there's a big like side panel and like how he exactly is looking into it, but he's clearly not close enough to die like the other guys did. But he's looking into the furnace just waiting for it to happen, waiting to see them all just just go to a crisp. And to his amazement, he sees not three men, but four in the flames. And they're all just walking around and standing there and not giving a shit about anything. And they're clearly not dying. The king, the king yells uh, into the furnace. Oh, oh sorry, I've side note it's very specific and I, I, I didn't mean to skip it the, the king says you know basically what the fuck he says we threw three people in there right why do I see four in there they aren't even tied up anymore because the ropes they were tied up with did burn up right because it was so hot and the fourth guy looks like the son of a god like apparently the fourth guy was magical and beaming and whatever so they were, the king was like what's going on so he yells into the furnace to talk to Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at all, etc. Plus extra. And he's like, you know, like tell, he calls into the furnace and tells them to come out of the furnace. And they, they just walk. It's, I think it's the three of them just walk out. They just straight up walk out. And they're like, sup? <laughs> and they're fine. And it says that it wasn't just the king that saw this. I mean, there were witnesses. All the A-list celebrities. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. was there. Taylor Swift was there. Everybody. Beyonce. They all were there. And they all witnessed it as well. And were like, holy shit. And it says that aside from the ropes being burnt, so they were free to walk around, their clothes weren't singed. Their hair was fine. They didn't even smell like smoke or ash. They were perfectly perfectly fine from this King Nebuchadnezzar is basically like okay okay praise be the god of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego I'm making a new rule if anyone anywhere paraphrasing talks shit about their god that person will be cut into pieces and their house turned to rubble uh, which is clearly his go-to threat uh, <laughs> they just love cutting people into pieces and turning their houses to rubble and then he gave them another promotion so they just they just keep they just keep going up the corporate babylonian king nebuchadnezzar ladder so and that's about it that's the story of shadrach meshach and abednego and a little bit of daniel we will focus more on daniel in the next story if you know anything about the bible you already in your head 
know where it's going, but it's super fun also. Yeah, I talked about what's happening next. I talked about that. If you haven't already, please hit us up on Twitter. We're on Twitter, Getting Biblical. Instagram, Getting Biblical. Of course, I am Matt Smith. I can be found on, on Twitter. And, and I am Matt Smith, IG on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook and all those things. Subscribe. I don't know. There's so many stuff. Am I supposed to say all that stuff? I don't know. I'm. Did you listen to the first episode? I'm, I'm new to this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I appreciate you listening all the same. And hope you have a great day. Cheers. Guys, uh, guys, um, before you go, before you go, uh, one last thing. I just, I just realized. I'm actually, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited. Uh, I just realized the connection between what I was drinking and the story, which I am an idiot. I am, I'm the world's biggest idiot. I'm so dumb, and this was absolutely not on purpose. Now this is actually, I'm adding this in in post edit or whatever. As I finish the episode, I wrap it up. I, I left outside or whatever. Um, so, so so the bottle I'm drinking is the Impo- the Apothic Inferno wine, and the story is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into a furnace that's seven times hotter than normal and and killed the guards that threw them in there, I'm like. If that's not the perfect pairing of what I'm drinking to the story that I'm telling, I don't know what is. And it absolutely wasn't planned. It was somewhere between dumb luck and divine intervention. Anyway, I just I, I got I got really excited as I was I was picking up the bottle to pour the last little bit into my glass to finish it off in a in a post episode. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like little 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 ritual, or just I liked drinking wine and and was finishing. I, don't know, I just I just it caught me that that was that was perfect. So I had I had to share. Also, if in case you're curious about about the wine, I didn't notice this even when I was buying it or earlier when I was looking at it. It is potent. Uh, it is over fifteen percent, and uh, you know a lot of wines are are like six, seven, somewhere in there. So pretty, pretty dope. It will get you get you where you need to go. Anyway, I just thought that was an amazing like oh like uh, okay, never mind. I'm I'm a dork. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs>